Greetings, and welcome to the Gospel Expedition, where we explore the Gospel from Genesis to Revelation. The Gospel is how Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins according to the Scriptures. That is the Gospel. It is through the gospel that we have forgiveness of sins, and it is through the gospel that we have that hope of eternal life in God's kingdom because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the fundamental belief of Christianity, and it is the central theme of the Bible. Every passage of Scripture sets up the gospel, explains the gospel, foretells the gospel, illustrates the gospel. It all ties back into the gospel. On this episode of the Gospel Expedition, we are looking at the life of Isaac. And the life of Isaac is told from Genesis chapter 17, when his birth would be foretold, all the way to Genesis chapter 27, when he blesses Jacob and Esau. And his life is referenced and mentioned all throughout Scripture. If you run a, a search on the name Isaac on BibleGateway.com, hundreds of verses will appear on your screen that are referencing Isaac. Isaac's life is one of purpose, one of God's provision and his will, and one of blessing. Isaac's life, in terms of scripture, was fairly uneventful, but yet it was very important. And so we're going to look at that today. Let's look at a few key highlights of the life of Isaac. First of all, Isaac was born to Abraham and Sarah. His name means laughter. And he got the name because when the Lord visited Abraham and told him that within a year he would father a son by Sarah, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, Shall I have the pleasure of my Lord? And God confronted her laughter. And from that instance, and from the concept of God turning Sarah's sorrow into laughter, Isaac was named Isaac, which means laughter. And so Isaac's name means laughter. Isaac was the son that was promised to Abraham, the one through whom all of Abraham's descendants would arise into a great nation, the one through whom all the nations and families of the world would be blessed. Now, in the aftermath of the death of Sarah, Isaac married his wife, Rebekah, and he loved her. And when she couldn't have children, he entreated the Lord on her behalf. He prayed and interceded for her. And the Lord healed her and opened her womb where she was able to have children. And Isaac was the father who blessed Jacob and Esau. And with the blessing being passed on to Jacob, the godly lineage passed on to Jacob. And the nation of Israel began as a people. So those are the highlights of the life of Isaac. We didn't, this is not an all-inclusive list. There were instances in Scripture, and we will talk about Jacob and Esau, and we will talk about the, uh, the lentil stew or the red bean soup, as it were. We'll talk about that in subsequent episodes. There was one instance where Isaac made the same mistake that his father Abraham made when he told Abimelech that Rebekah was his sister. 
except Abimelech was a little bit more observant this time, and he noticed that Isaac didn't necessarily treat Rebekah as a sister. He confronted Isaac, and the truth came out. So there's instances like that in the Scripture. But for the purposes of our study today, I want to look at these four highlights, the meaning of his name, laughter, the promise that God made through him, his love for Rebekah, and his blessing on Jacob and Esau. So let's look at lessons learned from the life of Isaac. The first lesson we learn is in his name, Isaac, which means laughter. God turns our sorrow into laughter. Sarah could not have children. And back in those days, that was a shame. That was a reproach. That meant that there was something wrong with you. You were a defective person if you could not have children back in those days. Sarah could not have children. And people shamed her for that in those days. Sarah was also beyond childbearing years. So it's not a situation that she could hope for healing and hope that things would just come around and happen. Her childbearing years had passed. And so Sarah in that situation was really in a hopeless situation. The best that life had to offer Sarah had passed. And so when we see Sarah and her life with Abraham early on in the book of Genesis, we see that she deals with a lot of sorrow. She deals with a lot of pain. She deals with a lot of grief, and that leads her to making some really bad decisions. But God promised a son. And not only did God promise a son, but God actually gave a time frame to the promise of the son. Now, isn't that amazing? I mean, we live under the promises of God today. But what if we had some tangibility to his promises, to his time frame, when we're going to see things begin to be fulfilled? What if God told us today that within a year we would see Jesus come back? What would that do with your expectation? What would that do with the way that you live life and the decisions that you make? When God told Abraham that this time next year Sarah would have a son, he put a time frame, he put a time stamp on his promise and gave them something to look forward to. It was more than a promise in principle. It was a tangible miracle that had been promised within a specific time frame. And the Bible says that Sarah laughed within herself. And God confronted her laughter. But he still promised the son. And when Sarah gave birth to Isaac, she said in Genesis chapter 21, she says, God has made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. God turned Sarah's sorrow to laughter. And you know what? God does do that. He does that repeatedly. He turns sorrow into laughter. I do not know what is grieving you today or what pain you are enduring, what grief that you are processing. But what I can promise you is that God is not finished with you today. Your story does not end in this pain and this heartache that you are currently experiencing. And I will also tell you that God will work through the pain and the sorrow to transform you into the person he intended on you being. And as he does that, he will turn your sorrow into laughter. God heals in this time. He heals pain. He heals grief. He heals trauma. He heals the regrets of past decisions. He, he heals that, and he does that in this time. If we will just trust his greater plan for our lives and what, he, and what he is doing, he heals, and we can experience that healing in this time. But I'm also here to promise you that one day the Lord will return. He will return and he will establish his kingdom on this earth forever. And I do not know when that is. I do not have a tangible time frame like God gave Abraham and Sarah. But what I can tell you is that when that kingdom is established here on this earth, 
all the pain, heartache, trauma, grief will be healed and we will experience wholeness like we have never experienced before. God will turn your sorrow into laughter. He will do that in this lifetime and we will have that eternal laughter when the Lord returns and establishes his kingdom. The second thing we learn from the life of Isaac is that God has a plan for your life and he will work that plan to bring you into his kingdom. God told Abraham that through Isaac, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. God had a plan for Abraham and he had a plan for Isaac and God's plan would come about and God would work his plan no matter how Abraham and Isaac might mess it up. And God's plan would be for Abraham's good. God's plan would be for Isaac's good. And God's plan would be for our good, would be for everyone's good. All the nations of the world would be blessed through his descendants. God has a plan for your life and he will work that plan to bring you into his kingdom. Everything he does in your life and everything that he allows in your life, he allows in your life for good. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 28, All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are thee called according to his purpose. God is working everything together for your good. And what is your good? Your good is to be saved and to be welcomed into his kingdom. And so God will do whatever it takes to bring you to a point of repentance, to bring you to a point of faith, to bring you to that point of salvation. And then when he brings you to that point of salvation and you trust Jesus Christ as your personal savior, God continues to work in your life to transform you into the person that he intended on you being so that when you enter into his kingdom, he can look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. God works through the events of our lives to transform us into the people that he intended on us being. He has a plan for your life and he will work that plan to bring you into his kingdom. The third thing we learn from the life of Isaac is that prayer works. Prayer works. Isaac loved Rebekah, but Rebekah was barren and couldn't have children. And so the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 25 verse 21 that he entreated the Lord on her behalf because she could not have children. What that means is Isaac prayed for her. He pleaded on behalf of God for her. This is not a situation where Isaac is praying for children because he wants a son to carry on the family name and to rise him to prominence. Isaac is begging God for children, for Rebekah. He is entreating the Lord for her. He is praying to God on her behalf. He is praying to God for her healing, for her benefit, that she would not live with the shame and the regret that his mother had lived with. He is advocating on behalf of Rebekah before the Lord. He is praying for Rebekah. And the Bible tells us that God heard that prayer and he responded to that prayer and thus you had the birth of Jacob and Esau. We learn from this that God answers prayer, that prayer works. The Bible tells us in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Scripture teaches us repeatedly to pray when we are afflicted, to pray when we're sick, to pray when we're weak, to pray when we're distressed, to pray when we doubt, to cry out to God for forgiveness when we sin. Scripture repeatedly tells us that God hears these prayers and he responds to these prayers. Do not make the mistake of accepting your situation as just God's will. God may be teaching you to turn to him in prayer and to trust him. Asking God for deliverance of your pain for healing is not an act of faithlessness. In fact, quite the opposite. It's an act of faith. It's trusting God to heal you of what you're going through. And it's trusting God to use what you're going through for your betterment. God hears prayer. He responds to prayer. Prayer works. And finally, we learn to live by faith. Isaac loved and favored Esau. Esau was a cunning hunter. He was really good at barbecuing the deer that he was able to, to kill on the hunts. He was really good at what he did, and Isaac loved Esau's barbecue. And so Esau was kind of Isaac's favored son. But when Isaac came down to blessing Jacob and Esau and giving them their blessings as they moved on in life, he did that according to the Lord's will. He was confused because he was blind and he was confused as to which son he was blessing, but he basically said the Lord knows and the Lord's going to bless who the Lord's going to bless. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 20, by faith, by his trust in God, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Isaac trusted God and gave the blessing, trusting God to work his will and to bless the sons accordingly. And what we learn is from this, we should learn to trust God's will in our life and trust him with the things that we cannot control. And so taking these lessons we've learned from the life of Isaac, there are a couple of applications we can make for this. First of all, we can trust God's plan for our lives. Secondly, we should trust God's redemptive work through the gospel. And thirdly, we should be reminded of the power of prayer and the exercise of faith that prayer truly is. This has been a look at the life of Isaac. This is the Gospel Expedition. I'm Leland Acker.